Hi everybody, welcome to the Women's Dating and Confidence Podcast. My name is Amber and today I'm really excited to share with you an interview with Ken Page. He is the author of Deeper Dating and he's also the creator of the Deeper Dating Podcast. I don't do interviews on here very often, but now that the podcast is bigger and I, of course, am always reading and always listening to other people's podcasts, I have been reaching out to specific people that I think are doing amazing work in the world. And one of those people is Ken. And so I'm so excited that I was able to speak with him for an hour and even more excited that I can share it with you today. I really appreciate Ken's perspective because he speaks about dating in a way where it's not just about getting an outcome with a certain person, but actually a way of getting in touch with yourself, feeling more connected to yourself and others, and a process of discovery and following your intuition. As always, before we get started, I want to share with you my free guide called Copy and Paste Texts for when he's pulling away or acting flaky. If you want to learn how to communicate with people through text in those tricky situations, then this guide will really help you. The link for that is going to be in the show notes. All right, let's get into the interview. Okay, thank you so much, Ken, for being on the Women's Dating and Confidence podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you because like I told you in the email, I found your book while I was wandering in a mystical bookshop in Portland and I saw deeper dating. I was like, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm interested in. And I was really excited to see a book that was not about another gimmick or another game and was actually about how to connect with people more authentically. And then I saw your podcast and I just love what you're up to in the world. And I told people on Instagram that I would share my findings with them because I always love to share what I'm learning about as well. But I'm so happy that you're here so we can get wisdom straight from the tap (laughs) and I can ask you all of my questions about the book. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you for all of the consciousness work that you're offering women and everyone in this kind of like very sticky, complicated arena where there's just so much charge and so much importance and so much uh, bewildering advice out there. Yeah, thank you. And so I would love to get started with learning a little bit more about you and your story with dating and love. And in particular, I loved how you highlighted the role of intuition in your journey of finding love. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that? All of those different things. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, I would say that like one of my big Uh, struggle spots, sticky spots, shame spots has been what a terrible dater I've been and how bad I was at finding a relationship, you know, at the same time wanting one so terribly. And people would say to me, I don't think you really want a relationship, Ken, because you're always single. And I would look at them and say, you do not know how much I want a relationship. And I'm trying here, but um, I'm failing again and again and again. And and so, you know, what I hit up against was uh, externally failure in finding love. 
internally feeling like a failure, feeling like whatever this thing is that you need or whatever these things are that you need to find love, the luck, the sexiness, the attractiveness, the confidence, the, uh, the it, whatever that it was, was like an it that I lacked, deeply lacked down to the bones must have lacked because why else would I be such a failure in finding love? Why else would I be chronically single, which is what I called myself for so many decades of my life. And um, I went on a journey at a certain point. I said, all right, I got to become a student here because all the things I've been working on so hard, all these ploys online and in the outer world, all these ploys that I really thought would work, failed one after the other and so i said i've got to get humble here i've got to become a student and learn what i'm doing wrong and what i could do differently and then that was a journey with therapists with friends with self-study um you know so many different ways that i began that journey and i also was a therapist and a teacher led a lot of retreats retreats on intimacy and as i learned i taught and then, uh, you know, which was which is a great thing to do. And I taught from a place of um, being a bewildered student myself, but a bewildered student who was finally learning some really, really wonderful, important lessons. And then I'll just share that there was um, at 45 years old, there was a shift for me. And the shift was that I saw um, Almodovar's movie all about my mother. And I walked out of the movie and I felt really strange and I didn't know what it was. And I said to my friend, I need a minute to just figure out what's going on inside me. And I realized what it was. It hit me very clearly. I want to be a dad. I want to be a father. And I walked over and I said to my friend, I'm going to be a dad. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? And, uh, <laughs> and that then began a journey. I still had not found my relationship, but I was on a path. I was on a really important and good path to finding love. And this is what called to me next was that I wanted to become a father. And um, nine months later, I adopted my son from Cambodia. He was an infant. And, you know, it's like love was calling me in a very different direction than I had planned. But it called me so fiercely and at that point, I had learned to listen to my intuition. I didn't just leave that movie and continue walking with my friend and going out to dinner. I might have missed that message. I said, something's stirring inside of me. And it's, it's strange and it's important and I'm going to honor it and try to figure out what it is. And it came to me as these moments of intuition were like these milestones in my being able to find love, it came to me that that's what was calling me. And so that journey was an incredible journey. And fast forward, I kept doing the intimacy work of that journey, but because I said yes to love in the form of becoming a dad, my world opened up in huge, huge ways, including creating an event called Deeper Dating, because I thought, what's the kind of event that I would dream of? And then that led to my writing for Psychology Today and my writing my book, and ultimately led to me um, being bullied 
by uh, family members and friends into going to the Provincetown Family Week, which is an event for LGBTQ families. And I was like, but I'm just me with my kid. Yeah, we're a family, but everyone's coupled. Mm. And uh, my friends and family said to me, well, no, not everyone. And you need to go there. They knew it was their intuition. And I said, with the ferocity of you all telling me this, okay, I'm going. And I went and I met my husband there and his two daughters who became my stepdaughters. And, uh, you know, seven years later, we got married um, and, you know, blended families all along the way. And the story of how we got married is it's very moving and you know maybe at some point I'll tell it but we're you know in a wonderful loving relationship and I teach now what I learned that all the fear based tactics that we get taught about what love is lead us away from love and the real path to love is kind of a series of consciousness steps which not only leads us to healthy love but heals and changes our lives at the same time and that's what I'm in the business of teaching and coaching around. That is so beautiful and when I was reading that in the book and learning how you adopted your son and how that led you to your now husband. I was tearing up and I'm tearing up again as you share it here because it's so beautiful. And I think that's so important to highlight that our intuition often guides us in an unexpected way and our intuition will guide us in the best possible way. And we don't always have an immediate explanation for why we should do something. We just know that it's what our heart calls us to do. And so often, I think when we're looking for love, we can have blinders on and be very logical about it. Like, okay, love, dates, I'm going to go to a singles event. Here we go. (laughs) And um, not be open to tuning in and listening to what other things might inspire us, like places we want to go or things we want to try where we could also meet people. And meet people in a better way because we are vibrating at a higher level because our hearts are in it. Absolutely. It's so true. And I I love that you're highlighting intuition because I think it's so important. And even just a story about that. So I go to Provincetown um, Gay Family Week. I meet the person who would become my husband on the first day. But he's got two girls who were like kind of grappling with a lot of different things and he's focused on them and not me. So we actually even made a date and he blew me off. Um, He forgot (laughs) because he was dealing with like, you know, his daughters just being there for his daughters during a hard time. Um, And. I thought with all the lessons I learned, you know, if someone's not available, they're not available. And that's okay. That's not, you know, a statement about me. So I let it go. And a few nights later, I got woken up, bolt upright by a feeling of intuition. And the intuition said something really clearly to me. It said, Ken, if you don't get out there and try with this guy, nothing is going to happen. It was literally bolt upright, three in the morning. So I said, all right, I will. And the next morning I said to my son, I tricked him. And, you know, he still teases me to this day. I said, hey, let's go get that really fabulous chili that that we love so much. And let's just go sit on the steps of the stairs when all the campers are coming in and just, you know, say hi to people. 
And he was like, (laughs) (laughs) so we did, because I knew that Greg would be coming with his girls. And sure enough, by total surprise, I was just sitting there chatting with my son when Greg came by. And I, you know, made sure that we made a connection, which he also broke (laughs) for the same reason. So, you know, I had done my part, but then I got a call from him and he said, I have a break. The kids are really doing camp. And uh, that was our first date, and that was the beginning of our relationship. But, but those moments of listening to our intuition, I think that's everything. You know, on this journey, it's kind of like like a treasure hunt. Like we don't get told where love is going to be, but we get called to something, or we get an intuition, and then it's on us. Are we going to treasure that intuition? Are we going to honor it? And intuitions, these are intuitions about love that when we get them, they're going to serve us in our relationship as well. Or are we just going to move on and ignore it? And, And those calls, those inner calls, guide us to whatever is next which guides us to whatever is next. And living that way opens up our world. So um, I'm just a firm believer in intuition. And actually, I have an exercise, which is my absolute favorite exercise in the world for helping people to tap into their intuition around love. And uh, if you like, I could share that with your listeners. Please do that. I'd love to. I do this every day of my life. Well, that's not true, but almost every day of my life. (laughs) I intend to do it every day of my life, and I do it the vast majority of days. And it's called the inner mentor process. And it's not in my book because I I didn't know it at the point that I wrote the book, but it's in my online course. It's in my podcast. It's in everything I teach. It's a foundational practice. It's really sweet. And it's really simple. And what it is, is, well, actually, why don't I lead everybody in it right now to tell you what it is? Is that okay? Can I take a few minutes to do that? Yes, I will be guided as well. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then you can share any experience you have if you want to. Mm -hmm. So what this is going to do is it's going to connect you to your intuition. It's going to connect you to the you that you're meant to be. And we all know and research shows that if there's any struggle or any learning curve that we're involved in, the best way to learn and grow and change is through relationships, particularly through a relationship with a mentor who has been there and done that and kind of knows the way. Um, So what you're going to do now is you're going to build a relationship with a mentor. But the sweetest part of this is that mentor is the essence of you. It's the you that you're meant to be. It's the you on the other side of all your glass ceilings. And if you've ever cheated at a maze puzzle you know when you get a maze puzzle you start your pencil on the outside and you hit block after block after block and you figure out how to get to the middle but if you take your pencil and put it right in the middle you instantly know the entire pathway out it's an amazing thing so when you start with where you want to be and who you dream of being and then you become that and call out directions from there You save vast amounts of time. And that's what I'm going to teach you to do here. And I'm sorry for the airplane noise if you hear that in the back. No worries. (laughs) Oh, good, 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 because I live right next to an airport. Um, Okay, so everybody, close your eyes. And just take a minute, 
to get comfortable, to get cozy, to relax, to sink into your body, to just allow your emotions to ripple, whatever they are. And now, I want you to remember a time when you felt really comfortable in your own skin. A time that you just felt really good inside yourself. Just remember that time. It could be any time. It didn't even need to be a big deal. Maybe it's in the mornings when you're sitting there with your coffee and a newspaper. It doesn't matter. But just a time that comes to you when you remember just feeling so kind of comfortable in your own skin. And remember what that felt like and what that feels like. Where you were what that quality of experience was like and just remember it and let that memory kind of just kind of ripple through you a little bit no pressure just remembering that good feeling and just hold that now just take a breath in exhale let it all go and now i want you to remember a time that you felt very deeply connected to love but I'd like you to choose a relationship where you didn't end up feeling kind of that the other person deeply let you down. A relationship where to this day, even if that person isn't alive, maybe it's a pet, maybe it's a saint, it doesn't matter. But where to this day, there's still a sense of trust when you think about this being. And a time that you felt a real love between you and that person and a real love inside your heart. Just remember that and hold that memory and let it just kind of ripple inside of you. Now we're going to do one more. Remember a time that you felt very empowered, peacefully, beautifully empowered in your own life. Really empowered to do something, to create something, to get through an obstacle, to help other people. Just a time that you felt empowered and good and capable and um, a sense of mastery in your life and anything and remember how that tasted how that felt and now just hold that memory to your heart and just hold these memories the memories of feeling good in your own skin feeling so connected to love feeling empowered and now imagine an older sister older brother version of you a wiser version of you, a you that has become that fully, that's brave enough and wise enough to live that zone completely. Just, it's a fantasy. You don't have to be that person yet. You don't have to earn it. Just imagine this being brave and beautiful enough to be full on you. Just that you you're meant to be. Just imagine her face or its face or his face and what that face reflects and just let yourself get that delicious picture of the you that you dream of becoming the full-on heartfelt you and just taste that and now imagine stepping into that being you don't have to earn this this is imagination it's like method acting you just pretend you just pretend but in a way, it's not pretending because it's you and you know this you. So step into that stream of this full on heartfelt you, the you you were born to be. 
Just imagine that you are there. You are this wiser version of yourself. It's an imagination, but it's also you. So you could step into this, into this vision. And from this place where you are this, you you're meant to be the fully evolved you. Look at the you of today, right now, and think, what is it I most want to say to that me, to the me of today, who hasn't gotten here yet, but's really trying? What are the words I most want to say, the words of guidance? And just take a minute and think what those words are. And you could even write them down or speak them out loud, if you like, or just think them. What do you most want the you of today to know from this place? Good. If you need a little longer, you could pause the podcast. But now I want you to keep being that you, the you of the future, the you you're meant to be, and open up your arms. Open up your arms and let the you of today come into your arms. And now you get to be both. You're the you of today and this you that you're born to be holding each other. And this is your inner mentor and your inner mentor can give you advice so often during the day and it's going to be pure distilled love wisdom. And if you follow that, you will more and more quickly in your life become that you. So just now, Come to being you, but with this wonderful inner mentor guide in your life now. And just think about the message that your inner mentor said. And you don't have to do much with it except just love it. Like taste the wisdom, the goodness, the love. Just love that message. And if you just love that message today, you will become that much more beautiful that much more amazing, that much more magnetic, that much more delicious, and that much more you, the you you're meant to be. So just take a minute, just hold that message and picture doing that today. And now you have a practice, which is like literally maybe the closest thing you could find to a true guru or a perfect parent, because this inner mentor won't criticize you it will bypass your inner critical voice again and again, and it will provide you with a higher stream of love and intuition. And that's the process. So thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was beautiful. And I really love that because I actually do a future self journaling process every morning. Oh, beautiful. But- Yes. It's a very different experience when you're being guided in that way. It seems Absolutely. to change your state in a really strong way. But I wonder if you ever combine it with journaling as well, or if you just sit and meditate on that, or what is your process usually? Or do you just listen to yourself in a recording? Well, my process is, the way that I do it is, I, I start the morning with 15 minutes of the EFT technique tapping. I do tapping and then uh, for 15 minutes, which is a process I really love. Maybe I'll do some other meditation or visualization. Then I do this process of inner mentor. And I just want to say something about this. 
you don't need to go through all those steps when you get comfortable with it. The difference about this is that you actually kind of like picture that you and then you viscerally jump into it you jump into the stream of that self you taste that self and then you speak from there like a loving parent who's trying to figure out the right words to help their kid um, so that's what I do and the way I do it personally is I just take my phone and I have an ongoing string that is years long called Notes from Higher Self. And I just transcribe. I just record the message. I just say it verbally. But for my students and in my ongoing, in my online course, everyone gets uh, um, an inner mentor journal book, which is a journal where they could draw pictures or write down the words. But anyone could create their own as well. You just write it down in your journal. So yeah, yeah, I think the writing piece is really important because when you get into that stream, the wisdom builds on itself as it comes out. Mm. Okay, so, and I'm really curious because in your book, the process that you teach people is not about learning a trick or another script of what to say, but you actually talk a lot about people's gift zones and yes. what are people's gift zones? Oh, yeah, this is this is, you know, of the stages of this deeper dating journey. It's a four staged process. This is the central stage. And in all of my courses, it's where I spend the, the it's it's where of the fourth stages I spend the most time. Our gift zone is the place. It's very simple to imagine. You could just have a map and the map is you just picture a target with concentric rings going inward. And if you just picture that this target is a map of your being and the closer you get into the middle, the closer you're getting to your humanity, to your intuition, to your heart, to your soul, to the real you, the you that feels and registers life most intimately. Now, that means sadness. That means hurt. It means compassion it means joy, it means tenderness, longing, love. It's that beating heart of your humanity. And the more you live in that zone, the closer you live to the, to the heat and the warmth of that self, the more you are in your magic. And that is what I call the gift zone. And what the gift zone is, is it's the place you're in when you feel the feelings that you're having, you're connected to your heart, and you hold that, whatever it is you're feeling, with a sense of compassion. The image that I use is the image of cupped hands. And you could even try this if you take your hands and imagine kind of holding your emotional self. You take your hands and you hold them flat, flat out, straight out. Well, there's no warmth in that. Or if you picture taking your emotions and squeezing them inside your hands, there's no space in that. But now if you take your hands and you cup them, like as if you were cradling, whatever the feeling is, joy, empowerment, eros, love, sadness, insecurity, whatever it is, if you hold that with cupped hands of compassion, you're in a place of magic and something amazing is going to happen. Transformation will happen. Connection will happen. And that's the gift zone. It's where we hold whatever is going on in our heart with kind of cupped hands of care, tenderness, and compassion. And that's the great state. 
And the more time we spend in that state, the more exquisite our lives are going to become and the more love there's going to be in our lives. Now, one other thing I'll say about this is that uh, it sounds really beautiful and simple and it's beautiful and simple, but it's not easy. Because in our gift zone, that's where what I call our core gifts live. And our core gifts are our genius. They're our intimacy genius. But genius is not an easy thing. Those are the places where you feel so much sensitivity that you've sometimes have wondered, what the hell is wrong with me? Or where you've felt such fierce passion that you thought, oh my God, I could like run people over with this. Or feelings of intuition that are so deep and so intense. Or creativity that's so scarily rebellious and wild and free. These are our core gifts. They're the places that are the most, they're the key to finding love. But the key to finding love is learning how to finally honor them. Often in a world that has never taught us how to honor them. And that's why in the work that I teach, the whole first step is to help people notice what things hurt you. How could you not override that, but understand the wisdom of that pain? What things fill your heart with joy and meaning? How could you not just pass over those and keep going, but realize that those are portals to your very soul, to your mission, to your greatest self? And when we begin to honor those little things that give us deeper joy, deeper sadness, that touch our hearts, the more we honor that, the more magic our lives become. And that's a formula. And the other thing that happens with that, that really directly applies to dating, and this is true, I have seen it happen countless times in my work. And it's, I think, maybe one of the closest things to a miracle that I know in this work. And it's this. The more you honor those core gifts, the more you live in a way that you actually treasure them and respect them and dignify them, the more you're going to become sexually and romantically attracted to people who love you for who you are. It's true. It's really true. You'll be more attracted to them. They will be more attracted to you. And you will change your field. You will change your magnetism when you live that way. And I see it happen again and again with the students I work with. And to me, that speaks to a blueprint about love that is much deeper than we're ever taught about what real love is and how it works. Yes, and I think that's so true. And as I was reading your book, I was relating everything that you were teaching to past dating experiences that I've had and kind of seeing how it fit in. And definitely one of the things that I always felt ashamed of or felt like wasn't good was how sensitive I was just in general, like easy to cry, easy to get my feelings hurt. (laughs) Um, Just I've been told that I'm very sensitive. And um, the problem with that is when we think that we're too sensitive, we start to override our emotions. We don't speak up on behalf of them. And the way that would show up in dating was that I would be a chameleon. I would not really state my opinion. I'd be afraid to be who I am. I wouldn't speak up about my boundaries. And then, of course, you attract people who don't honor you for who you are, which reinforces that idea that something's wrong with you. Absolutely. And, um, as I started to 
learned that sensitivity was not a negative thing, but could actually be a gift, I started dating people who had that same perspective and who honored that part of me. Yeah. And, and as it turns out, it's probably that very quality, I would guess, is the heart and soul why people seek you out as a coach for that very kind of quality, which is basically how deeply you care, right? That's what sensitivity is in a way. Right. And I also really appreciated what you said in your book about when we don't accept or honor certain parts of ourselves or um, or rather when we don't develop the opposite part because yes. we need balance, then we tend to... Yeah. attract people who are very the opposite of that so if you don't honor your sensitivity you tend to attract people who don't honor sensitivity as well who tend to be very logical very um not very emotional and I always found that to be true in my dating experience as well also in other ways for example I used to be very unbalanced in my approach to work Or I was kind of like very go with the flow when I'm inspired and not very disciplined. And I would be inspired very often, but I didn't have that other balancing part of discipline Mm, and the bigger mm. picture. And so I ended up always dating men who were extremely ambitious, very disciplined, thinking about the big picture. And it was then it would like bother me because I wasn't like that. And so as I became more balanced in that as well and found a way to combine those two, then I found other people who were also more balanced in that way. Yeah, you know, it's so true. And what you're saying speaks to this kind of very grand scheme of things, which is that when you learn the lessons of dating, They're the lessons of love and they're the lessons of life. And that when you learn these lessons, your romantic life changes and your world and your life begins to heal. Because like I say, the skills of dating are nothing more than the skills of love. And the skills of love are the greatest skills of all for a happy life. So, so yeah, I just, I am in awe of the kind of things that you described, how the way we hold ourselves so deeply affects who we meet, who we're attracted to, who's attracted to us. And as we heal, the people we meet become closer to the kind of people that we want to be with. And, you know, I think another thing here is people think that, you know, we talk a lot these days about um, attachment styles and problematic attachment styles, ones that are insecure, ones that are avoidant versus ones that are secure. And, you know, we, we are taught that we can heal our attraction style by being with someone who has, let's say, a secure attachment style or by being in a relationship where you work on these things. But the truth is, when you date this way, you will be healing your attachment style. You will be less insecure and you will be less avoidant. And so you can actually and should be if your life isn't healing through the way you're dating then you're not dating in the right way yet because this is a wisdom path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you share the same opinion, but I think often now with the attachment style theory being so popular in the mainstream, people overuse it to 
kind of punish themselves or not accept themselves. So for example, somebody rejects me and I feel hurt and I feel sad or somebody's not responding to me and I feel anxious about it and I really care and then I call myself anxiously attached. Thank when really you. That's I right. just care. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I think it's so important people say that. That's so, so true. And also people who are anxiously or insecurely attached often are the most sensitive people. Mm-hmm. They're people who feel the nuance of connection and the rupture of that connection. And other people don't feel it as subtly or as amazing. That's why those are the people who are the best therapists, because they notice when there's a break in the healing, a break in the connection, and they intuitively know to go in there because it's a place that needs work. But often people who have secure attachment styles miss all of that. (laughs) They're fine and they're comfortable and they're good, but they miss the existential kind of intensity of the ebbs and flows of connection that those of us, myself included, who have more insecure attachment styles are gifted at picking up. Then our job is building the wisdom to understand how to work with those micro ruptures and micro repairs that are needed. And we're the gifted ones at that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good to be in tune with that because when you have the courage to also speak up about those things, then you can create a lot of connection between you and a willing person as well, where you can communicate those things. So for example, with an ex-boyfriend, he was also very willing to communicate and he would just call it out. So for example, if we were on the phone and something came up, he'd say, I feel really disconnected right now. And then we'd talk about it and we'd go deeper into it rather than, oh, you have an emotion? Like, God. (laughs) (laughs) So it can actually create a lot more connection when we're aware of all of those different emotions that can come up. So true. And I just, I want to honor the bravery of people like him and like you who are willing to do that because it's brave. It's brave to do that. You have to kind of gulp and, <laughs> and, and, then, and then do it. And if you're with someone that can hold that, it's just a wonderful thing that really can bring you closer. And that's a really important thing that I just want to say too about the land of dating. There's one question that I teach people to ask themselves in their search for love that I think aligns us in a really great way. And that is this, does my soul feel safe with this person? Mm. And when you make that your question, your whole dating life will change, period, the end. When you make a decision that you're only going to be with people with whom your soul feels safe, and that's what you look for. I mean, of course, you have to be physically attracted. Of course, all the different things that have to be there have to be there. But when you make your question, does my soul feel safe with that person? And you put that question first, just watch. Your search for love will change profoundly just through that. And you will change. You will learn to honor yourself in a deeper way. And that's that's healing. And I'm really curious because I've also heard you speak about the uh, relation between risk and attraction. And so how does that relate with your soul feeling safe and also understanding that risk can play a critical role in creating that attraction between two people? Oh, what a fabulous question. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So life is scary. Life is an <laughs> existential edge. Intimacy is an existential edge. If you're with a safe person, you can explore the mystery and adventure of that edge. And research shows that that increases your erotic connection and your romantic connection with that person. So, for example, you're with, you know, um, I, I, I describe two circuitries of, de- of attraction. One is what I call attractions of deprivation. That's where you, like, can't scratch the itch enough of trying to get this person to love you right. You mm-hmm. can't let go. You know there's these problems, but it's because of insecurity, because of how beautiful they are when they're really available. You just keep trying and trying and trying, and 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 the attraction is an attraction of trying to get them to love you fully, which is very sexy. That's a really hot thing. <laughs> but there's another attraction, and that's the attraction of inspiration, and that's where you're turned on by a person's goodness, by their decency, by their solidity, by their presence, by their capacity, and by those things being kind of relatively consistent in their being. And that is a different kind of attraction. It grows different, it feels different, and it leads to the kind of love that can really last. Because when you're with someone and you feel those qualities of goodness and solidity and safety, combined with being attracted to them and having them kind of available, I mean, that's just paradise. Your heart sings, that's like it, that's what you want. So so those are those two kind of attractions, attractions of deprivation and attractions of inspiration. With an attraction of deprivation, there's always adventure. The adventure of, are they going to love me? Are they going to show up? Are they going to be kind? Am I going to lose the weight to make them finally be attracted to me enough? Am I finally going to get confident and good enough that they're going to really love me? There's a ton of adventure there, but it's all torture adventure. Mm-hmm. If you're in an attraction of inspiration, you can do the kind of adventure that your ex did, where he was brave enough to say, I don't feel connected. What can we do about this? You can speak your truth, which is scary. It's like jumping, it's like jumping off a trapeze. But if the other person's there to catch you, it's the most amazing feeling in the world. So the great adventure is the adventure is adventure of authentic intimacy and it's dripping with risk and it's dripping with possibility and the research shows as i said that when we take those risks in a good healthy relationship we get closer and closer yeah and i think another form of that healthy risk in a relationship is when both people are growing as an individual and then there's this constant sense of getting to know the person and them changing. And that can bring up a lot of uncertainty and feel uncomfortable for the partner sometimes. But if you lean into it, that can be another form of that risk or uh, feeling of uncertainty that actually creates more attraction. And then if you turn inwards and grow yourself, then they have it with you as well. And so it creates like a Um, an adventurous relationship exactly it's like it's scary but it's also good and it feels healthy and not like yeah I'm growing I might grow away from you I'm gonna leave you (laughs) like not that kind of thing yes yes you know they say I've heard that eros is a 
spark that needs to jump a gap. And I think differentness is really sexy. And so sameness can be really sexy too, but differentness is sexy. And so when your partner is is authentically them, they're going to be edges there. They're going to be parts that are unfamiliar and unknown. And the truth is that that blend of availability and love and cherishing and safety combined with that unknown territory is very sexy. And when we are all who we are, so much of us is unknown. It's unknown to us. It's unknown to our partner. It's a constant kind of like a adventure that happens. And that's that's a really, really wonderful thing. And But I just want to say to everyone who is in a place where you're in early dating or you're just out there and looking for people, all of these techniques still work. Like you can be, you know, appropriately this way on your first date. But what I would encourage you to do on your first date is show your goodness, show your heart, show your generosity, show your passion and notice how the other person responds. And if they get it and celebrate it and enjoy it and hold it in a good way, you both will feel closer and you'll feel like you really learned something. And if the other person is cold or distant or neglectful or doesn't get it or dismisses you or pushes you away, well, then you've got your information as well. Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, for example, with the growing and being different, so so often in dating advice we hear about maintaining a chase. And um, my thought about that was always, well, that doesn't sound like any fun because when do I actually get to be with the person if I'm always running away from them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like when we show people that we're doing our inner work and we're growing and we're passionate about different things in life, then there is this natural sense of they're progressing forward and so I want to hop on that train with them. And it's, I think, an attraction of inspiration. Like, that sounds exciting. I want to move forward with that person rather than deprivation. Like, oh, I don't know if they're going to like me tomorrow. I have to move fast. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And and online dating really helps sculpt that kind of negative behavior. But um, Eli Finkel, who's a brilliant researcher, actually did a whole bunch of studies on the question, does playing hard to get work? And he did that in speed dating events. And he's a very serious academician and researcher. And what he found was this. He found that playing hard to get can sometimes make people want you more, but it's going to make them like you less. That's mm-hmm. one thing he found. The other thing he found is that there is a much greater aphrodisiac. And that is when you get the feeling from someone like they know what they're looking for and they really like you because you have those qualities. That's the sexiest turn on. And that comes from you honoring who you are. So you do not need to play hard to get. Hard to get. And I want to say something about the gender role stuff because I hear so many teachers say women don't give up your femininity because if you do you'll never find your alpha man and this saddens me immensely and i have met many very powerful fierce amazing women 
who are afraid of their personal power because they think that it's not feminine enough. And the truth is qualities of femininity and masculinity are not directly linked to gender. And new research is using different terms. They're using the term expressive qualities and instrumental qualities. Instrumental being like leader and out there and very direct, the ones that are supposed to be a guy's qualities and expressive that are supposed to be a women's qualities. But the world is a evolving in profound, profound ways. And the bottom line is, the minute you think you have to act in a particular gendered way, and that overrides who you are, you'll be hurting the intimacy that you have with someone. So each of us gets to be free, to be this incredible blend of these attributes of instrumental and expressive that we are at any given moment. And the world's changing. It hasn't changed enough yet. So we're kind of in the middle of two worlds. But I just want to really encourage the men who are worried that they're not quote-unquote masculine enough and the women who are worried that they're not quote-unquote feminine enough and tell you that I promise you promise you that there are people of the genders that you're interested in who are looking for somebody with just the kind of blend you have. So I think that's a really important point and it saddens me to hear people lost in this kind of what I call old sexism in new age bottles, telling them that they have to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even just the word blend is really important and understanding that we all have a mixture of those qualities and nobody's just masculine or just feminine or expressive or instrumental. We are much more dynamic than that. And so we need to learn to appreciate that in both genders, like women going on dates with men, appreciating when a more expressive side comes out or when they're allowing themselves to be more emotional or sensual or those kinds of qualities as well and um, making room for all of it and not putting people in that box. Absolutely, and recognizing that it may feel awkward. You're with somebody and they're stepping outside of the gender role that you are attracted to and that you like, and all of a sudden you have to develop a new taste But that's what food's about. That's what fashion's about. That's what (laughs) growth and learning are about, is developing new tastes. So some tastes we don't ever develop, and that's fine. But others we do develop, and that's kind of the spice of life. Right. So tell me a little bit, just as we're closing up here, a lot of people have that expectation that the sexual attraction is supposed to be instant and intense. And if it's not, then it's not there. And you talk a bit in your book about how to grow that attraction and how to sense if there is a spark there that you can work with. Yeah, absolutely. This is a huge, huge subject. And um, we get taught that the key to finding love is to make yourself more attractive, which is the path to personal hell. Instead of becoming students of our attraction, because attractions cannot be forced. You can't force yourself to be attracted to someone you're not attracted to, but you can educate your attractions. And by doing the work we're talking about, your attractions will actually begin to change and get healthier. It's really, really true. So 
you're in a relationship with somebody, you're dating somebody, and there's a spark, but you want the spark to be bigger. Well, there are all sorts of things that you can do to make that spark grow. But I just want to say first, you're not obligated to be attracted to anybody just because they're good for you. You have a right to be with someone you're sexually attracted to. But that attraction, like I said, can grow. And some of the ways it can grow are by honoring your sexual pacing. For example, there might be somebody that you meet and you want to, you're kind of romantically interested, but you're not really sexually turned on. But you think to yourself, and this is a, a very operative, useful question, what would I want to do with this person? Well, maybe I would just want to hold his hand. Maybe I would want to kiss, but not really deep kiss, just touch lips together. Maybe I just want to cuddle and hug. Then you just do those things. And maybe it'll never go further, but maybe it will when you do those things. So that's one thing is honoring what it is you want to do. And um, if you push yourself to be sexual before you're ready, or because let's say you drank too much and you're like turned on, but emotionally, you know, you're not ready yet. If you push yourself past the point of your readiness, you will retract afterwards. You'll want to run away and get away. You'll shut down. So you never want to push yourself sexually or romantically more. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that you can do is kind of like appreciate and almost fetishize the qualities about the person that you like. Maybe their laugh, maybe their eyes, maybe you don't like their legs, but you like their arms, you get into their arms. Maybe you don't like one part or it doesn't attract you, but other parts do. You just play with that and enjoy that in your head and you fantasize. And what's happening is you are actually developing a taste, an erotic and romantic specialization in that person. And sometimes the seedlings don't take root and sometimes they do. But if this person is awesome and romance combines with that, the chances are really significant if there is a spark that you can grow that spark. So there's a world of information, a world of research and a world of teaching around that. But these are just some of the kind of quick and easy points that I wanted to make. Yeah, and I really appreciate you speaking about this because I know in the past I did have a situation where I tried to force it. I thought this person is so funny, they're so amazing, I love hanging out with them, but I don't really feel attracted in that way for no good reason. They were very attractive and I tried to force it, which of course didn't end well. And so after that, I had this idea, nope, it's got to be there from the start. It needs to be like 100 miles an hour yes. full on attraction because I don't want to make that mistake again. And then you kind of go to the opposite extreme. So it's good for people to know, like me, that there is an in-between where you can feel a spark with someone and also give it time to develop. And it doesn't have to be either or right from the beginning. Exactly. So true. So true. And there's so much learning around that. And um, just one thing I'll say really quickly is there's something called the wave, which I consider the most serious saboteur of healthy new love. And it's when you meet someone, you like them, you're attracted. And then when you find that they're really available and interested, all of a sudden you want to pull away and get out of there. And I struggled with that a lot my, in my own life. And the key there is don't run. 
Don't push yourself to do more than you're ready to do and recognize that it's a wave. And if you don't flee, it's going to pass. And when it passes, your feelings will probably almost definitely come back and you'll have a clearer sense of if this is a match or not. But again, that's something that um, is kind of a big, big subject that I speak about in my classes and book. But uh, a good thing to know. Yeah. So um, as we're closing today, why don't you tell us a little bit about how people can move forward in getting to know you and your work if they really resonated with this message today? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me on your wonderful podcast, your wonderful and wildly highly reviewed podcast, and for the work that you're doing and for the opportunity to share my ideas with your listeners. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, much appreciated. And um, so if people are interested in learning more about my work, the easiest thing to do is go to deeperdatingpodcast.com, deeperdatingpodcast.com. Um, or you could just go to deeperdating.com. That'll get you to the same place. And when you go there, you can sign up for my mailing list. And in so doing, you get a free ebook of the four greatest insights that I know for people who are searching for healthy love. Um, also, I have now a course. I've worked really hard on this. And I love guiding people through my voice and through my words. So there's now a downloadable course where you can learn all of the work that I put into the book and since the book, uh, because there's been a lot of new ideas since then, and kind of be guided in a very personal way through a workbook, through a series of 11 classes. And so that's available there too, as, as well as information about my book and all of the other classes and courses and workshops that I offer. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ken, for being on today and sharing all of your wisdom. And I highly recommend people check out your work and your book and your podcast and everything else that you're putting out there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amber. Really appreciate it. 